Well, good morning, airline, and happy Sunday. Thank you for joining us in worship. It is so good to see everyone's face. If you are joining us online, drop a comment and let us know you are there. If you are visiting with us this morning, we would love to see you. So find us after church. If you are, if you'll get up on your feet and worship with us this morning.
Good morning. Good morning. There is nothing, <laughs> nothing better than that. Amen. Amen. God is, uh, God is so good. Let me read this. Um, if you were in Sunday school this morning, you may or may not have heard this, depending on what uh, group you're in, what literature they're using. But man, does it go along with that song and does it go along with that message this morning? Listen, let me tell you, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Amen? Amen. He turns bad stuff into good stuff. Amen. Amen. That is so good. Listen, we're glad you're here today. Thank you for being here too. Sing with us, worship with us. Hope you were here for Sunday school. If you weren't, then you need to be because how many of you would leave after halftime of the football game? How many of you would leave after three innings of the Braves? You wouldn't do that because they're going to come back and win, right? Need the whole thing. Need the whole thing. Come and get into God's Word at 9.15 every week. Come and be here for the preaching at 10.30 every week. And uh, God, just fill yourself up with God's Word and, and, and just devote yourself to Him. And listen, God will guide you paths. Amen? Isn't that what the Word says? Thank you all again for being here. If it's your first time with us today, please take a moment and fill out one of those little green cards in front of your uh, seat there. Connect card so we can find out a little bit about you and reach out to you. If you need anything, please let us know, okay? We're going to have a good time today. Looking forward to the Word. Looking forward to some more singing in just a little bit. Before we do that, we're going to have our offering today. Our uh, ushers are down here. They're going to run through and, and uh, hand the plates out so that we can give back a little bit of what God has so richly blessed us with today, okay? So let me pray for that, and then we'll continue on with worship again. Thank you for being with us today. God, we love you, and we thank you, Father. Thank you that you love us so much, God. Our hope is in you. Our faith is in you because, God, you are faithful to the very end. And, God, we just love you and thank you for being so good to us. Bless our time together today. God, bless this offering now as we take it to do your work here in this area, in this community. So, Father, we just give it all to you today. Bless those as they sing and lead us in worship. Bless those in the pews today. Fathers, we lift our voice and our hearts to you and our pastors. He comes in a little while to preach. Thank you again for loving us, God. We give you all the glory and the praise in Jesus' name.
break depression and fear and anxiety and whatever burdens this world lays on us. We know that we can lay those back on you, Father. We give you this time now as we continue in worship, as we open your word, may you speak to us today. We love you. We praise you. We give you all the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Thank you, Quez and the band, for leading us in worship this morning. I invite you to turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. We are still in James 1 as we continue our series through the book of James. And so just to kind of recap where we've been, uh, we, we started and kind of looked at the, the classic passage, count it all joy when you meet trials, and then faith and finances, rich this week we're continuing on in the theme of what is true faith, that as I believe the gospel, the gospel produces a faith in my life, and really that true faith. And what is it that true faith produces? And before we get there, Mike's going to bring announcements at the end, but I just want to share with you kind of just a, a big thing we have coming up. And we're really excited about it. We've been working. We've, we've kind of, we've had some different plans in place that we've had to work around. But October 1st, we're calling it FCA Coaches Day. And so here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to be in partnership with FCA. We know them pretty well around here. Um, and so we're going to be in partnership with FCA. And basically what we're doing is we are inviting all, every middle school, high school coach of any sport to come and be with us that Sunday morning. And whether it's Hall County, Habersham, Banks, wherever in this area, we want them to come be a part of worship that Sunday morning. We're going to have a special guest speaker come in, Chan Gailey, um, who's here in this area. And some of you may know him. He was head coach at Buffalo and Cowboys and Georgia Tech, um, but his most prominent role was when he was the head coach at Troy State University, and so that's what gave him the most notoriety. Not everybody can go play at Troy or be a coach at Troy, so that takes a special person. Um, <laughs> I say that in the most humble way I can. I'm just kidding, but uh, he was there in the 80s. Um, and so we're excited that Sunday um, down in the Family Life Center. So we may need some help. This is not a church-wide potluck. Um, this is going to be we're specifically feeding the coaches and their families that come that Sunday. So we may need some help preparing the food, getting stuff set up down there. And so if you're interested in helping out with that, um, would love for you to be a part. And here's the reason we're doing that, is that we, we want to encourage and support these coaches. Because as they come, depending on how many coaches support on a daily basis, 
And so we want to encourage them. It's not an easy job. It's not an easy role. And we want to support them as they make an impact on those student athletes. And so that's our, our big aim for that Sunday is to encourage and support these coaches that come in that are in our community, in our area, and just encourage and support them. But then also see ways as a church that we can further encourage and support them as they impact these athletes. And so that's really our big picture goal for that Sunday. And so be in prayer. If you know a coach and you want to invite a coach, feel free. You're more than welcome to um, starting this week. We're going to start getting the word out to the schools and coaches and um, ADs and all that fun stuff to go ahead and start getting that ball rolling for that Sunday. And so as you see that, it'll be coming up on social media and all that stuff starting this week. So just encourage you to pray for that day. Um, it'll be an exciting day as we have a bunch of different coaches from different schools here and as we encourage and support them. And so that's coming up October 1st. But going back to James chapter 1. Really, so we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 18. And we see here in this passage, it's a particular view of how I process what's going on. We've already been talking about trials, and we're going to kind of pick up and let's read through it, and then we'll pray and we'll notice a few things. Verse, starting at verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it, con when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We praise you. We honor you. God, we give you this time. God, would you speak to us through your word? Let us see what you have for us. And God will give you all the praise, honor, and glory. And we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. So really three things I want us to see this morning. First, starting in verse 12, we see that true faith produces a proper view of trials. A proper view of trials. So when I encounter difficulties and conflict and painful situations in life that from the gospel produces a view of those things. And so this is where James starts off in verse 12. He says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. 
those difficulties, the one who remains steadfast. Here's what's interesting. James uses this. It's really similar language. You probably, you may have picked up on it going back to Matthew 5 and the Beatitudes. That blessed is this person for this will happen. It's the same type of language that James uses here. And what's interesting about the Beatitudes is it's, tip, it, it's that first part of the sentence is a situation that we would not think someone to be blessed by. So blessed are those who mourn. It's not a happy situation. That's the exact opposite of happy. That's the opposite of blessed. So it's not the present situation that is the blessing. It's what's on the other side of that three-letter word, for, that is the blessing. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So James does the same thing here. Blessed are those who remain steadfast under trial. That there is an eternal reward for being steadfast under the trial. To being steadfast when things are difficult and when life is hard and when bad things come up. To remain steadfast, there is a reward that's on the other side of that. There's an eternal about things? Do we, or, or do we just simply look at the here and now and the temporary? Because if our mind is stuck on the temporary, then we will be focused on how hard or difficult the trial is. But if our mind is fixed on the eternal, then this may be hard. It may be difficult, but there's something better on the other side of it. There's something better in eternity, that the eternal reward is better than this momentary affliction. So we have to have a proper view of trials, that it may be difficult, it may be hard, it may be uncomfortable for this season, but God is working something. He's doing something. He has not neglected. He has not forgotten. But he is at work. And there is an eternal reward that's on the other side of it, which God has promised to those who love him. There's no question of whether or not there will be an eternal reward. God has promised it. It is his very word. And God does not neglect his promises. He does not forget his promises. That if it is a promise of God, he will see it through. So this must be our view. That when trials come about in life, are we simply looking at the here and the now? Or are we looking into eternity? 
looking forward to eternity and the eternal reward that God has for that. So we must have a proper view of trials. But then second, true faith produces a proper view of temptation. A proper view of temptation. He is wanting to, wanting to seal up a loophole that someone may have. That they're looking at the temptation that's in their life, this temptation to sin, this temptation to rebel against a holy God and say, okay, well, if God cannot be tempted with evil, that he himself tempts righteous character that is who he is and so for God to try to lure you into something that is evil would be against his very character and against his very being so God is not the one who is tempting you so what is temptation he says but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. When does temptation occur? When I see that lure. Notice what he says, and enticed by his own desire. When it comes to sinful temptation, James offers us no out. We can't even blame it on Satan. He's not painting a picture as though temptation is Satan dragging you, kicking and screaming into sin. That's not temptation. But the picture that James is painting is that it's my own desires that are dragging me into sin. It's the person that I see in the mirror every single day. That's where temptation stems from. It's a sinful desire. That's where temptation comes from, enticed by his own desire. Makes the statement, then when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. That when that desire is acted on, that desire for what is forbidden is acted on, it produces sin. It says, and when sin is fully grown, brings forth death. Notice James does not mince words here. That that desire that I have, that desire to go past the bounds of what God has commanded, what God has spoken, that what that desire does is it produces sin. And what does that sin produce? It produces death. Now we understand this judicially in terms of our our sin produces warrants us 
death. It warrants us spiritual death. It warrants us to bear the full wrath of God against our sin. But can we just be honest for a moment that sin also just produces death throughout our lives? Like it's going to produce emotional death. It's going to produce physical death. That when sin runs rampant, it brings death. Like I say this, don't, don't, don't hear this the, the wrong way. I'm always fascinated by those shows that, you know, the, the guy who has a... Wild animal, like lions. If y'all know of a show like that, let me know. But they get these cute little lions, those little, little cubs, and they're cute and they're snuggly and they're nice and they play. But then several years down the road, that cub becomes a full-grown lion. And it always cracks me up. It cracks me up, probably not right to use in this context. But like the news will come on and say, local lion tamer mauled by a lion. And I'm just sitting there listening to that going, what did you expect to happen? Like, was there any outcome in that that was positive at all? Like, were they going to become friends and go hang out in the town together? No, it's a lion doing what lions do. Lions maul and eat. Sin. Way. We may have that pet sin that's in our life that we think we can manage. It will grow up to maul you. Whatever it is, maybe it's light and maybe you think I, no one, it's not hurting anybody, it's not going to, but you, as you keep feeding that sin, it's going to grow up and destroy you. That's why James makes such a big deal about this. That what is that sin going to produce? It's going to produce death. That there's nothing good that comes about from it. So this is why true faith produces a proper view of temptation. That how do I get ahead of sin? I get ahead of sin by getting ahead of temptation. That there are those things that I know in my life I am going to be tempted to do. That there are those sins that I struggle with that if I'm presented with the opportunity, I'm going to be tempted by them. And so what do I do? I take away the temptation and the opportunity so that I'm not mauled by the sin. And so that's going to look different person to person. Because we probably not all struggle with the same things in here. But am I doing battle with that sin? The proper view of temptation says this. 
I have to do something with this before this sin destroys me. That's what a proper view is. That's not something to be coddled or taken lightly, but it's something to be dealt with. And so true faith produces a proper view of temptation. But then lastly, true faith produces a proper view of the Father. So we've dealt with trial. We've dealt with temptation. But in verse 16, James says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. He doesn't want them to be deceived on this issue. This issue of trial and temptation and where is God in the midst of all of this. He says, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. Come shadow to change. See, this goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. That when does temptation occur? When I am or that God does not have what is best for me in mind. Because that's exactly the lie that the serpent told Eve, right? She's standing there looking at the tree, dealing with this temptation, dealing with all of this. Surely God didn't actually say that. That God doesn't actually want you to have that. God is holding something back from you. That God is not good. And that's the same lie that can creep into our own lives. That God doesn't want me to pursue that because he's holding something back from me. God doesn't want me to engage in that because he's holding something back from me. That that thing that I'm looking at is good and I want that thing. And God's not letting me have that thing so he must not be good. Instead of going, no, 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 no. Good thing must from that gift. What does that say about the nature of that gift? That it is not good and perfect because if it was good and perfect then it would come from the father who is good and perfect so we have to have a proper view of who the father is he doesn't change he's not like the gods of James day in the pagan world that was around them that would move the goalpost as they went. And sometimes they would do good things and sometimes they would do not good things to their people. They like to play games with their people. 
And that was their view of God. And James is saying, no, 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 the, the true God is not like that. He's not playing games with you. He's not just holding something from you because he wants to see you squirm a little bit. From you. Good. It's not. And so he is withholding it out of his mercy and his goodness. So when we approach temptation and we begin to feel that desire begin to grow within us, what must we do? We must turn our attention to the Father. That, okay, I, I recognize what God has given is good and it's perfect, and this is not. Own. He brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. That do you really think that God would hold something back from you? Do you really think that God would not have the best intentions for you based on all that he's done for you? Like the entire gospel, how when we were enemies and rebels against God, and he sent his son robed in flesh to take our place, to bear the wrath that we should have bared, to save us, but all he saved us to justify us in his sight and to adopt us as sons and daughters, to seat us in heavenly places with him so that we could reign with him for eternity and be in his presence for eternity. Do you really think God accomplished all of that? to not have your best interest in mind? That he accomplished all of that? Firstborn among his creatures? To go, okay, this, this is a good gift, but I really don't want them to have this gift. When he's given you all that, that he's now going to go, you know what, I, I don't want them to have that. It's, it's good and it's right, but, you know, I just don't feel like them having that. Do you really think he would do that? But instead, because he has done all of that, because he has given us everything that we have in Christ, we can trust him to say, you know what? I recognize that that's not a good and perfect gift from God. This is that the creator of the universe that redeemed me and saved me said this is out of bounds. I can trust him. In that. You see, we have to have a proper view of the Father. You see, we have, to have a proper view of the Father. Then we will find ourselves battling with temptation, 
struggling with those desires that begin to creep up. We'll begin to believe the lies that Satan begins to whisper in our ears. That, yeah, that's good. You can have that. You can enjoy that. You can pursue that. It's God to believe. But this brings us to our central idea this morning. And it's this. The answer to navigating both trials and temptations is to have our eyes fixed on the Father. And God is reflecting. He's solidifying some things in our life. We have to have our eyes fixed on him because if they are not fixed on him in the midst of trials, in the midst of difficulties, we'll begin to wonder where God is and if God is doing anything at all when our eyes lose focus on him. But the same is true in temptation, that when we're dealing with temptation, our eyes must stay fixed on him and his goodness. That he is good and he is holy and he has provided everything that I need in Christ. So no matter which one it is, whether it's trial or temptation, my eyes must stay fixed on him. So as we prepare to close, the man comes back to the stage. As I shared when we first started this James series, I love the book of James because it's really practical wisdom. It's really the nuts and bolts of Christianity. James here isn't making a esoteric theological argument about the ontological nature of God. He's meeting Christians where they were. That just as James wrote this letter to believers who were wrestling with trials, finding the fact Jesus, and they're wrestling with temptation because they're people. He meets them where they are. And the same is true of us today that we find ourselves wrestling in trials. Now, it may not be like James's day where you choose to follow Jesus and your family abandons you, your family turns and walks away. 
still go through difficulties. We still go through trials and hardships and heartaches. We have to have our eyes fixed on the Father. And in James' day, we still do that. Not a whole lot has changed in that regard from James' day to our day. So the question that we have to wrestle with is our, is our eyes fixed on the Father? Some of you may have came in here this week and you probably identified more with the first half of the sermon. Yeah, you probably struggled with some sin, but you're, you just feel like you're beat up. Like you're just going through some difficulties. Just want to encourage you, take some time to place your eyes upon the Father. To take your gaze and place it on him for a little while. Or maybe you came in here and you identified more with the second part of the sermon. You say, man, I've just been wrestling with temptation all week. I've given in to temptation this week. And here's the beautiful thing. You're not alone in that. This week, we all struggle with it. And so maybe you just need to do the same thing and place your eyes back on the Father. And just spend some time thinking about His goodness, His majesty, His power, His might, and just reflect on Him. But as I said, James meets us where we are. And so let us take some moments just to fix our eyes upon him. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We praise you. God, we just pray now that our eyes will be fixed on you. Whether we came in beat up this week from trials or we came in here beat up this week from temptation, in either of those wrestles or both of those wrestling matches, are on you. We love you. We praise you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and respond. Just wanna speak the
Been a good morning amen good word good music just a good time together so thank y'all again for being here with us today just in the way of announcements real quick wednesday night listen please be here we got a great group of guys and, and ladies here preparing you a meal uh fellowship and just a good time together begins at 5 30 every wednesday night i think this week i think we're having spaghetti garlic bread and a salad yum yum so come and uh, come and take part of that, okay? After that, of course, we have everything for our preschool and children over here on this side, and we have our students meeting for worship and a message down in the, the Family Life Center. And then we have an adult Bible study going on back here in the choir room. Pastor's leading a study of where did we get our Bible? Pretty rich, good stuff. So. Come and, uh, come and find out about that. If you don't already know, even if you do already know, come and uh, be part of that, okay? That, that starts at 6.30. All the other programs are at 6.15. So be here for that. This whole month, thank you last month for providing us with uh, school supplies for Operation Christmas Child <clears throat> during the month of September. We'll be receiving toys, small toys, and stuffed animals. Toys big enough to put in a shoebox, right? Uh, and and uh, stuffed animals that'll fit in a shoebox as well. 
to send over there. Y'all are doing a great job. I can't wait to see the boxes lined up all across here as we collect those going into the Christmas season to deliver. Uh, and again, just please begin now. Commit to pray for. minister um, have such an impact and an influence on kids all over the county so that'll be a good day that'll be a good day so pray for that that it'll just be a, a, a great time together okay everybody good let's pray real quick and we will be dismissed to uh, whatever God has for us this week okay God we love you and we're so thankful God for this day this time together as we've opened your word as we have this place today whatever we involved help us keep our eyes fixed on you in everything that we do got our steps got our thoughts our and honored through it all in Jesus name amen